from all around the world. This is your hosts, James Jordan. Mike Wallace. And the Eggman. Coming at you for yet another edition of the Wide World of Motorsports podcast on CFMH 107.3 Local FM in St. John, New Brunswick on Saturdays at noon. On CKMS 102.7 Radio Waterloo in the region of Waterloo in Ontario on Fridays and on the Performance Motorsports Network app throughout the week on your smart device. We're also on demand on all streaming platforms and we're also on social media at the WWOMS. Check out our website, www.thewideworldofmotorsportspodcast.wordpress.com. We have a lot of articles and editorials and whatever we do throughout the season for covering local races, we'll post it up there. You can also follow our eSports team through there as well, so check that out. This is episode 11, and this is season 6, recorded to you for the week of March 19th, 2023. And as usual, we like to kick off our episode with the tradition of picking a driver the number that correlates to the episode number so it being episode 11 we're going with a race car driver with the number 11 and we're going to kick it off with the Eggman. what do you got in honor of his victory this weekend which we will get to in a moment at the Jeddah Corniche circuit in Saudi Arabia I went with one Sergio Perez a.k.a. Checo. He's been around in Formula 1 for a while now. Uh, I believe this is his 12th or 13th season, if memory serves. Uh, He's been kind of all over the place, uh, scoring, I believe this was his fifth total victory in Formula 1. He got, got, again, we'll allude to it, but he got lucky this weekend with some issues that happened to some other guys and has really kind of hit his stride here at Red Bull. So uh, he started with Sauber all the way back in 2011. And he he has been through McLaren, Force India, back when it was called that, and then it morphed into Racing Point, of course, and now with Red Bull. So it's not a ton to talk about, but I went with the... Formula One driver from Guadalajara, Mexico, one Checo Perez. Might do good this season. Might do good. Might, Might do, do good. This we'll guy, see. we'll see. We'll have to keep off uh, an eye on him. Yeah, ringa. And how good he did there in Saudi Arabia, Arabia, which we'll get to in a little bit. So, yeah, it would be real cool to uh, get to what, what do you got, Wallace? What, what, what do you, we haven't figured out what one you're doing. What do you got? I know. Because I went last minute. So I picked the uh, hero to many, emulated by many, uh, but there's only one, uh, Mario Andretti. <clears throat> Mario Andretti drove the 11 hmm. a handful of times. Oh, cool. Famously, he won the 1967 Daytona 500 with the number 11 for Holman Moody in a Ford. Uh, Mario raced 14 races in NASCAR. Uh, he has a couple victories, um, but, you know, some of, obviously, Mario's biggest accomplishments 
came outside of NASCAR. Although the uh, Daytona 500, uh, just for not being a career mm. stock car driver, is pretty amazing, right? So he's he won 12 times in Formula One. He has a championship in 1978 in the famous Lotus. He has one Indy 500 victory and is the only Andretti to have an Indy, Indy 500 victory. Look at right? that model. My, I don't think Michael ever got one. Um, and then he, one of the places that Mario never won, shockingly, is Le Mans. He does not have an overall win at Le Mans. Mario uh, is famous for being very... Um, upset about that fact but he did run Le Mans one year for Porsche with his son Michael and his nephew John who's of course no longer with us anymore other notables who drove in that number 11 are one Anthony James Foyt that's AJ Foyt um and we had Parnelli Jones. The interesting thing about that is if you have an autograph picture that involves Mario and AJ and you bring it to AJ and it's signed by Mario, Mario first, he will not sign it because Mario signed it first. He has to beat that guinea, as he would call him. Those are his words, not mine, people. Those are Anthony James Foyt's words when he's up on his bulldozer, as he likes to call it. So... Um, I'm surprised that Mario drove the number 11 before AJ Foyt ever did. So that's what, what a I'm going beautiful with livery royalty. he has too in that uh, 11. Mario Andretti. Uh, we're just I'm looking at pictures here, and yeah. it's it's a it's a gold kind of like a navy blue roof, gold main body, and wow, that it's a Mercury Cyclone, and it looks so beautiful. Uh, the, the this is a model of it. Um, but yeah, just, and then he also ran a, uh, which is apparently in cars, he, yes, he is in his cars. characters in cars and it's in similar cars. to his, uh, Mario Ford Andretti that he ran his Ford Fairline. You gotta let me in now. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, that's, that's cool, uh, to see that. And Hey, we got Charlie, you're, you're, you're in your audience here. You got to make this livery for us, for our esports team. Got to you. Got to pull up that Mercury Cyclone Mario Andretti Eleven, and, and everyone out there, look that up. We we need that. <laughs> we need that livery going. I will work on that one for sure. <laughs> uh, and then I will end off our picks here with Ned Jarrett, who ran the number eleven from apparently. So with with what I'm looking at here, and he ran. The eleven for a couple of years and ran a couple of number num- another numbers in nineteen sixty two back to the eleven in nineteen sixty three ran the nineteen well, that's that's interesting why they did that I'm wondering why they would switch numbers like that um, nineteen sixty four nineteen sixty five he ran the eleven and then when he won his championship yeah he won his championship in nineteen sixty five in that car. And his final season, which I thought he retired on his last season, but I thought he went out on top. But I guess that's kind of going on top. But it does say he did run a couple of races in in 1966. 
So, and then that's that was just his driving career. He ended up going into the booth. We saw him call as racing announcer, even just in the 1960s, with a radio program in North Carolina. So he was doing that while he was driving, and then he ended up going into broadcasting for MRN Radio. Most notably, when he interviewed U.S. President Ronald Reagan live at the 1984 Firecracker at the uh, at Daytona. That was the famous race where Richard Petty won his 200th win as well. And, yeah, that, that really helped uh, Ned Jarrett get a show called Ned Jarrett's World of Racing on MRN. And also going over to television on CBS as a pit reporter in 1979-1984. And we saw him as a color analyst in the booth from 1984 all the way to 2000. And, and that was... Uh, I, I remember hearing him growing up and when he called his son's victory of Dale Jarrett, uh, his first victory... Um, or sorry, when he won his championship. And that was really cool. And I, I wasn't around when he... I wasn't alive when he got his first victory, when he called his first victory, but... Uh, yeah, and we've seen Ned come back to the booth throughout the years as well. There's been a couple of those throwback races and and seeing him around. 90 years old, this guy, and getting into the Hall of Fame in well, only in 2010. So got a Hall of Famer there as well, which which got to get those HOFers on the show as much as we can, and including also his, his sons that raced in uh, – as well, you know, uh, Glenn Jarrett and Dale Jarrett and head head of the head of the Jarrett family, and we're still seeing him uh, kicking around. And I I could not not pick Ned Jarrett. All, uh, look like I'm looking at all the awards he's won here for broadcasting Hall of Fames, racing Hall of Fames. Yeah, we gotta gotta pay tribute to gentleman Ned. Jarrett on the WAMs here this week, boys. That's the way Excellent. that's the way we're doing Excellent it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Gotta go Love with it. Either. Can't can't avoid it. Didn't watch him race because I was a little right. too young for that, but I did listen to him in the booth and you know he I've always You were said, alive in the sixties, Wallace. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I mean I never yeah, right. Um I just a good race can be made great just by commentating, and, and yep. Ned was one of those guys. Oh yeah, and also got a, I always love a driver commentator, and right up there with John John Heindahl. Yeah, got a, I like those driver commentators, and we're seeing that in recent years too with Clint and, and Tony. So, yeah, a good to get to bring out those legends. Need a good, good pick boys. Chief back in the in the in the booth. In the booth. Yes, uh, I agree. I agree. Although I was really happy, we'll get into it. But I was really, I, maybe I'm I didn't notice this notice this, and you guys did. But when did Andy Petrie start sitting on people's boxes again? Because he was sitting on. I think a couple just, years ago. Just yeah, a couple years ago. Because he's sitting on for Kyle Busch, which I saw in that race, and I thought, what? This is, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. I mean, we watch a lot of stuff, but we'll get into that. Sorry, I just I just was thinking about the booth, and I, I just miss Andy Petrie. We need more Andy Petrie in our Yeah, race. Andy Petrie's one of those guys that could listen talk. Well, I, talk I wish they would bring Larry Mack days. back in. I do he, appreciate Larry Mack as well. Larry Mack needs a bigger he's, role. He's right the, up there with Andy I wish Petrie, he was the, the main. I listen to. 
I wish Larry Mack was the main broadcaster. Uh, well, uh, we'll get into that later too. Um, but yeah, so we'll kick it all off here with Sebring. Like, well, are we doing it in order, or are we going to do F one first? You guys, you guys figure that, that doesn't, out. Doesn't doesn't matter to me. <laughs> yeah, well, let's go with Sebring first. Yeah. We'll quickly get through that and talk about F one. Yeah, it was twelve hours of Sebring on the heels of the WEC race that was the day before and it was much like the Xfinity race and much like the truck race and it seemed to be much like what was going on all day on Saturday with with issues it was a bit of a crash fest um, some of it was quite embarrassing like an LMP3 just driving into the back of a of the Porsche prototype under caution flag and, certified um, 4x move right there certified 4x move right there. <laughs> and that guy definitely said let's have a clean race um <laughs> yeah it was He's just there for the safety rating. yeah he was just there for the safety rating yeah you know i don't know i don't know what's going on with with the with imsa lately i i feel that it has become more of a full contact sport meaning that guys are getting their elbows out you could say that about nascar as well it might be that the competition is getting so much tighter and and better and the boxes that the teams are allowed to operate in are getting smaller and they're identical so you have to be very clever to to gain an advantage and the only way sometimes gaining advantage is is being out front and you can be the pace setter so maybe there was a bit of that there were some very low driver standards with the lmp3s i know that a lot of people don't like them on the fence about them i think at some tracks they work at other tracks they don't sebring's tight bumpy and dark and i just don't think they belong there but i believe that what a melee, that what a melee. Be, it seemed to be quite a hot button issue it always is with the lmp3s but from what i understand um or i've heard that that IMSA is looking to take the LMP3s out of the top category. They put it in there because they were worried about car counts going down because we started losing cars. And and IMSA, not unlike any other series, sometimes make quick decisions to to make sure that they can fill fields sometimes so it doesn't look bad. Um, at the time, this worked, but now with these new LMDHs and whatnot, <clears throat> you know, they just can't. They just not... It's not that the car isn't competitive enough. It's, it's that some of the drivers that are in it aren't competitive enough for it, right? They're like, some of them are four seconds off of the best guy in their their class's lap time, right? So, and that's a lot. But, you know, ultimately... Kind of crying. Wayne Taylor was disgusted after that. <laughs> Wow, I mean, there was a lot of money tore up yeah. near the end there that BMW just kind of, I don't know what happened. Something must have broken. He just cleaned out four other prototypes or another prototype, and it just collected everybody. It was quite a melee. You know, uh, the Meyer Shank racing car, that suffered some issues in the at the end of the race. Some people see it as sweet justice, seeing as the penalties that came down for them for manipulating tire data to for IMSA to see and uh, that that person who worked for for Meyer Shank Racing is no longer there he, he was let go <laughs> you can look it up and see what his name is I don't we don't need to get into that this isn't dirt sheets um 
But uh, so some people say it's fitting that what happened to them happened to them. And then today we had penalties issued out for the number 79 uh, Mercedes that won the race. They got a ride height infringement, so they got sent to the back. A, dry, a car in LMP2 or LMP3, same thing. And then another one, same idea, it didn't conform to its its standards. So I don't know what that means. I like Sebring. I will admit that I didn't get to follow it as closely as I wanted to this weekend because I was distracted with other things, but I did pay attention. Must be it cool did. to see a race finish in the win- at nighttime like that. It, yeah. I mean, so there, and then, and then I don't know if you guys heard about this, but there were apparently fans ripping off the front nose bodywork of the Porsche. So after that yeah, big it's not NASCAR. crash that you saw, <laughs> they they backed, they picked it up on a flatbed truck or a roll, like a, a low loader, and they back it up into one of those spots behind the barriers. And there's videos of fans grabbing the front chunks, ripping it off the car trying to steal it this multi-million dollar sports prototype that also you don't know what you're grabbing on and they're all hybrid and you need to know what you're doing when you're touching that stuff because in formula one we've seen when the hybrid stuff first started coming into to it you'd see mechanics uh get electrocuted i shouldn't laugh yeah thanks it's not it's not funny that stuff is serious it's really bad like like if you pay attention you'll never see a drive rarely will you ever see a driver in a formula one car unless he pulls into the paddock um he rarely stands on the car and touches the car and touches the ground they always jump out of the car so they don't continue the ground just in case it's it's quite interesting and uh, so, so Sebring just seemed to be quite messy, and um, you know the Action Express thirty-one, not Action, yeah, Action Express Wheeling Engineering thirty-one car uh, won won that race shockingly, and the BMW finished third on the podium, and I forget who finished second actually, but um, yeah, it wasn't. There's a lot going on in IMSA right now, uh, so. This race seemed quite, quite kind of chaotic. There's uh, quite a few cautions, a lot of carbon fiber all over the place, broken, and yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of probably unhappy people today. So, onwards to IMSA's shortest race of the year next month, Long Beach. So oh, that'll be exciting. Hell yeah! Can't wait till that pops up in I racing. Yeah, so that'll be IndyCar too. IndyCar and right, Porsche. yeah, yeah, um, and jumpy trucks and and and, and jumpy trucks, jumpy trucks, which are awesome there. Yeah, it it um, yeah, the Sebring is always a good race, and I think it like again going back to a race finishing under the dark like that, and there being so many people there, and just imagine, I just picture it as like being at a ctmp weekend and we're freaking like it's it's, it's like 10 o'clock at night there. when we're already yeah when it, like I, I couldn't imagine a race finishing at 10 o'clock at night at ctmp that would be so cool though uh because <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of times there's events on and whatnot at nighttime and it's like man i wish there was racing right now but yeah yeah so that that would be real cool um to to see uh 
or yeah, uh, can't wait till next year. I mean, I can't wait to see next year's race again. And uh, look, look at that. They're just burn. Wow, they're they purposely just burning stuff there. That's cool. It's it's so it's it's Sebring's always been crazy. I mean, it's way more. It's crazier than Daytona. The fans are crazier. Um, it's kind of it's think of I don't know where fans are super crazy in other sports, but just kind of think of the crazy place and and, and it's Sebring. Like nowhere else is it crazy like that at a racetrack other than Sebring. You just won't see that anywhere else. And none of the other tra- I, so I don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of things. I mean, people bring in skyjacks. You know what those like? The yeah, to get a better view. I mean, people Damn rent right. those and bring them into the track and have them go up so they can watch. Damn the race. And that's right. not okay. So, what? Like it's not illegal, right? Like it's. Sorry, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that like the track doesn't say no to it. They allow that to happen, which is fine. Whatever. I'm not saying no to it. So that's just kind of the level of where they're going. You should see, just Google pictures and see the creations people built. There was a guy that built one at CTMP last year, like a whole cabin with a pool and stuff. It's, it's oh, yes, yes, I've seen a couple, uh, I've seen a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways. Makes me want to, makes me look forward to, makes me look forward to the, uh, uh, the camping experience this year. I know CTMP yeah, isn't that crazy, but it makes me get that, Ooh, that vibe. So, yeah. Um, okay. So we got, uh, it was good talking about Sebring there. And hey, what about F1 there, Eggman? So the storylines of Formula One started, I would say, Saturday uh, when during Q2, actually, Max Verstappen lost an engine. So he started in P15. Uh, for for the race, uh, Sergio Perez started on pole, and Charles Leclerc, though he qualified fastest, uh, second fastest, of course we talked about last week had that ten place grid penalty for using too many components somehow in the second race of the season. Uh, so Fernando Alonso started on on the front row for the first time in oh geez a while. Um, then. Uh, in the race early on lap one, both McLarens lost a front wing, which kind of is just a meme at this point. McLaren where, is where is can we, sorry. Can we go back to Aston Martin? Where are they getting their speed from? Like what? A, you know, they got accused a couple of years ago of copying the Mercedes, and I've heard rumblings that they it's kind of a Red Bull clone. Like, is there any truth in that? Well, in Formula One, you're always gonna have. So the way the rules are configured is you can't directly rip off designs from other teams. Uh, and there's a level of scrutineering that happens there from the FAA officials. Yeah, what yeah. you can do, however, is look at another team's car and take notes and make yours similar enough that it has the same effect, but dissimilar enough that you don't get in trouble. Uh, it's kind of like the whole... Uh, copy my homework but change it a little bit so we don't get caught cheating right it's, it's kind of like that so basically what aston martin has done to find this speed is they have used uh because they're a, Mer- a mercedes powered team yeah they use mercedes engines and they have taken aerodynamic cues from both red bull and ferrari which is it's all completely legal 
and mm -hmm. um, they have just made a car that is faster than anybody expected it to be. Um, I Lance was... is doing good in it too. It's not like it's just Alonzo. Yeah, it's not just Fernando being a great driver. Lance Stroll, who, and I know in Canada he's you know the home guy, but not he's been the gr not been the greatest. We all know he's, he's golfed at his money. He's though. a meme here. Too, we all know that though. I, I figured but he would still take him in. I, I, I figured he would be, but you know rose rose colored glasses and all that nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's not been the greatest, and this car he's been able to perform well, and uh, that actually brings me to my next point. Um, Lance Stroll's Aston Martin suffered a. I believe it was a gearbox failure. It was either gearbox or an engine Yeah, I was looking failure. at him so good for him the other week, and then that happens. Yeah, P6 last week, or last race, um, and he he was the first DNF this this week. And yeah, it kind of... He, pro he probably could have been. And honestly, it brought out a safety car that it really didn't need to, and Martin Brundle yeah. mentioned okay. it on the broadcast he pulled it into one of the service entrances and it was completely behind the wall and the stewards did not have to go out in the danger zone at all. So I'm not sure why they I think we're looking at that right now in the highlights here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't I know why they called it a safety car, but well, we know why but same reason why NASCAR has a, uh, you can't see it, but I'm using air quotations debris caution. <laughs> they usually show the debris though. They're pretty good for that, but I don't know. Well, look, if, I don't know rapper. if I don't know if the FIA thought that he put fluid down. Yeah, he on the pulled. Track yeah, he clearly had his car right by. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. There's I a think as he had that couple. plume of smoke going into the corner, they probably wanted to check. Right. Then I then probably thought he put fluid down or something. Which, in fairness, it's a knee jerk reaction by the stewards, and they're not just going to wait and see what happens usually. Especially in that turn, because you get you get fluid out of that straight, and then you end up oh, losing a, it, a, and then yeah, you get in that green zone there. And it's a blind it. turn. It was yeah. a blind left hand turn, and it was just uh, dangerous. But jokingly, actually, before the race, Fernando Alonso said Max Verstappen would probably be in P two by lap twenty five. And believe it or not, Max Verstappen passed Fernando Alonso for P two on lap twenty five. So. So that's just a funny thing that happened this weekend as well. Um, but Fernando Alonso has maintained his pace from last race. Uh, Ferrari is still hovering around, believe it or not, fourth in the constructors for the first time in a while. Um, Mercedes came out strong this week. Uh, I think they're finally getting their car dialed in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there's just there's unbeatable the the top end speed in the Red Bull is going to be difficult to contend with again. But I think for the first time in a long time, Red Bull is may, and I know it's only two races in, Red Bull may have a driver controversy going on here. If Checo keeps yeah. performing like he has been performing, oh, yeah, and he's right? a legitimate challenger to Max mm -hmm. Verstappen. I think it'll be interesting to see what Red Bull does if they let him yeah. have at it or if, better. They, or if they tell Checo to back off and let Max do it or vice versa. I think it'll be well, they, interesting to. 
I mean, they told to Max see. that that it wasn't important for him to get the fastest lap for the race, and he went out and got it anyways. So that might just be more of a, a drive for Max, uh, and more of a push. Because you no, know, well, okay, let me rephrase that. So Checo had the fastest lap. They, the team, told Max that he didn't need to push for the fastest lap. That they weren't worried about it, and Max said, "Well, I am," and he went and took right. the fastest lap. Yeah, from yeah. On the last lap, Max Verstappen clocked the fastest lap of the race. So you know, Which, but that's not un, un, unusual for Max being being selfish. And realistically, in any world champion, they all have that trait. Right. Well, yes. It, it, to to some extent, you have to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. Especially when you have a top tier ride like that, and if you win, you're pretty much guaranteed at least a shot at the drivers' championship. Yeah, um, it's very rare you see a selfless driver win a world championship. Look at look at Valtteri Bottas all those years as Lewis Hamilton's second driver. He was on several occasions just as fast as Lewis was, but he was selfless enough that. Lewis ended up winning, and that's he's Formula One's Ryan Blaney. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much, um, yeah. So the second half of the race was, I would say, fairly uneventful. Yeah. Um, Checo I, and Max yeah. finished like 18, 19 seconds in front of Fernando Alonso. Um, <clears throat> but that's incredible. It it really is, especially seeing as Max Verstappen started P fifteen. Um, I mean, and Mercedes is just like, I mean, Lewis is way off there. I mean, the car, the car must be a bag of junk because it just, for George to outperform Lewis, that shouldn't happen. So it shouldn't shouldn't happen, but uh, something that I've, I've noticed happen repeatedly when... All the all-time greats reach certain milestones, and I've talked to you guys off of off of the podcast before about how no matter what sport you're in, no matter what kind of athlete you are, seven championships seems to be the ceiling for how long you can sustain top-level performance before you start to drop. Some so some examples of that are obviously Jimmy Johnson, Richard Petty. Dale Earnhardt Sr. in NASCAR got seven and then either dropped off in performance or retired or uh, other things. Mm-hmm. And um, in the NFL, Tom Brady he got seven Super Bowls, but then he couldn't he couldn't do he couldn't do eight. Uh, Michael Schumacher seven World Drivers Championships in Formula One, but then he dropped off. He retired came back for Mercedes for a few years. They didn't perform well, and then he retired again. And I think we may be seeing the same thing happening to Lewis Hamilton, where he was at the top of his game for long enough to win seven titles. Mm. But once he got there, uh, because last year it was just the Mercedes was garbage. It's that's not a secret. I won't get in trouble for saying that it was just trash. Yeah, it wasn't a good car. Uh, this year, I feel like they've made a step in the right direction, but George Russell is younger, and he's, I would argue, hungrier because oh yeah, I would. Agree he's only that. got he's only got one, the one win, and it came last year. And Lewis has 103 wins, which is the most all time. 
He has seven drivers' championships, which is tied for the most all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the number, but he's got the most podiums all time. So, yeah. at that point, what what do you, really what do you have left to fight for, other than your ego? Wow, and that's I mean we see that unfortunately with some drivers. I mean I kind of respect a driver that can retire and walk away. Um, not like Nico Rosberg because he, I get why he walked away because he just it, everything he was done after that championship. Like I don't think he had he could win another race if he had to after that. I think Lewis mentally destroyed him. But um, after I don't know who is there is there any records that's more than seven for anything for championships? When you go into the coaching side. Um, there, there's guys that have won more than that, or the, or the, like the management or team side. You're yeah, gonna like, fi- you're gonna yeah, find I... more than seven because you can do it for longer, right? Uh, like for example, uh, it's not a good example because he has less than Tom Brady does, but Bill Belichick, the coach for the Patriots, he's yeah. got six Super Bowls with Tom Brady, and had he not been on some god awful teams earlier in his coaching career, he could probably pass that. And like, especially down in the college level, right there, Nick Saban is probably going to retire with like 10 or 11 national championships just because it's sustainable. It's sustainable. Or what about pops from freaking that Texas team? You know, that old guy that coaches that football team, uh, that basketball team. Um, What's God damn it. Yeah. So so when you get into the coaching side, it's a lot, you can sustain it for a lot longer. So you're going to find guys with that. But as a participant, which is what, what I mean by what I'm, what all I'm saying here is as a participant in like, you're actually playing the sport, you're actually driving the car. I don't think, and I could be wrong. Don't quote me, but I don't think anybody has more than seven. And to tell you the truth, I don't think you need more than seven. <laughs> uh, wow. You know, and and I think where I get more impressed is is drivers like uh, John Surtees. You know, he won two uh, championships on two wheels at the top level of his time, and he won two Formula One World Championships. Right, exactly. uh, Drivers that like Jim Jim Clark, who won Indy Five Hundred, he won Formula One World Championship. He won all these big stuff, and. but not so many championships because also too it, we talk about this all the time i mean you go from running six grand prix a year to now they're running 23 well it's hard to have the most wins in the season record when you only race six times so right that's why the, and I've, I've had this conversation before with you guys too i don't remember if it was on air or off there will never be a 100 percent fair argument for the greatest of all time debate because of how much sports change over time and I'm not going to go into great detail in it right now, but yeah. it's just like, like you just said, when it, like the 1950, which was the first year of the World Drivers' Championship, if ni- in 1950 you ran six races over four months, just as an example, those numbers may not be true, for the World Drivers' Championship, you're not going to get 103 wins or whatever however many like fernando alonso just got his 100th podium this weekend that's not going to happen if you're only racing six times a year no so so that that argument 
as far as I'm concerned, is invalid. You can say invalid. You, you can say one of the greatest of all time, and that's fine. But mm. you cannot say the greatest of all time. It's just not. It's not f- fair to anybody to do that. We'll have to have a goat but, episode at some point, a goat but argument it, episode. But anyway, uh, congratulations to Checo Perez on his fifth career uh, Grand Prix win in Jeddah this week. Yeah, and uh, where are they at next in F1? Uh, good question. Uh, Austria, I think? I can't remember. Yeah, it's, it's like... I must be a yeah. You're right, Austria. Austria Sunday, April second at one. Australia, a. M. excuse me. They're at uh, yeah. They're in Melbourne. Australia. Yeah, at one a.m. Oh, <laughs> I'll be I'll be going to bed to that yeah, race. Here, I guess. Here. Sebastian Loeb holds the record for the most drivers' championships, winning nine during his career. That's World Rally Championship. So there you go. Nine. Okay. See, that's out of my that's out of my wheelhouse. So well, good I on, good, that guy was yeah. out of my wheelhouse too. Yeah, yeah. Good on him. I'm not a rally guy, so I wouldn't have known that. Good on him, that's but crazy. like Sebastian the vast OG. majority. You'll get this though. It's Sebastian. Uh, what did I say? Sebastian Loeb holds the record, and then Sebastian Ogier is second with eight. I don't know what it is with Sebastians, but they seem to be quick. I guess if your name's Sebastian, you're good in a car. I guess. Yeah, and then, and then get. Oh man, these guys are crazy. Twenty-two years old. Cali Rovenpera is the youngest world champion ever. Twenty-two years old last year. Jeez, I was not doing that. Anyways, what's next? Yeah. NASCAR. Anyways, there, there was more that there was more that went on this weekend. So let's talk yeah. about that. Um, yeah. Thank you, everyone, listening here. Why World of Motorsports podcast to streaming to you or broadcasting to you. CFMH 107.3, CKMS 102.7, PMN app, or on all s- streaming platforms. We're just talking about F1 and Sebring. We're going to be moving into NASCAR at Atlanta now, where we will be talking about trucks and Xfinity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, elaborate elaborate on that. Well, I mean trucks was just kind of We all know that trucks is a little been a little rough the last couple of years cuz it's a bunch of young drivers and then you mix that with an incredibly fast tricky track and you just get a lot of cautions. And a lot of co- kind of a carnage i don't know it just wasn't it was a lot of it was a lot of cautions but it wasn't any like notable cautions it was just a bunch of spins and flat tires and stuff it was as far as being eventful it was fairly uneventful yeah yeah um so i feel i feel like really that's not much happened until the end uh, there was a big wreck coming to the checkered flag. It was between uh, Christian Eckes and Nick Sanchez. I feel, and I and I made a note of this because I noticed it in the Xfinity race, uh, how quick they threw caution to how quick they threw the caution for the truck race. So they going into turn three at Atlanta, and they they have this big coming together up into the wall, and you see this you see this big wreck happening and I'm watching and they let Nick and 
and Christian, and they just hard right. They're hard on it until they see the caution flag. Well, they wait so long that that Christian Eckes gets past Nick Sanchez by the time the caution flag goes out. But in the Xfinity race, something similar happened. Now earlier in the race, I'll I'll say that. But it was like as soon as the car was sideways before it even went nose into the wall, the caution lights were on, and I thought. Well, you kind of just stole the like we we don't race back to the line anymore. That's done. So I thought that was kind of I felt that was kind of a big thing for me. I felt he he kind of got robbed of that. But I mean, you got to be there to win it, and it was kind of the 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 other problem with with the trucks. I think there is that there's very little strategy. Right, it's stay out of it and be in position at the end, which I know sounds kind of like everything, but I mean, they they just run to stage ends, right? They didn't even get tires in half of this half of the stops; they just get fuel. Like tires weren't even an issue for the trucks, so they just kind of, I don't know, like it's like they're they're like we want to, well, yeah, yeah, no, we're gonna take it easy this race, we're gonna take it easy, and then five laps in, they're all like, I'm bored, and they just go. <laughs> I I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I it's I don't know I don't know how to fix it I don't know how to talk about it I just I just yeah, I, just, I mean I don't the know. Xfinity races is, isn't even wasn't any better because they were coming to a restart and they wreck before they even get across the start finish line like I thought I was watching an I race I racing race. <laughs> yeah just, pretty much I mean it was it was too long um, but there was much bigger uh, it was long because of the cautions but there was much bigger news coming out of that race with with josh williams and and i know the three of us i think two of us are kind of on the same page one of us is a little bit different um what, what do you guys think about this josh williams incident yes shows yeah. the shows that was awesome shows the fan base um and where their where their minds are at i think um where where they're at is the the rules are arguable and even if you are in the wrong it seems like because the rules are the rules and he wasn't following the rules and they had to ask him to do it and he disagreed with it and wanted to make a statement and i think there's a lot of fans in the nascar I've, i follow a lot of other sports and have reported on a lot, a lot of other sports through my years in broadcasting and i've noticed that the nascar fans are the ones that are they'll they'll fight the rules for sure um well, here, here, that's what it's built on running yeah. moves. Yeah, and and bending the Breaking rules laws. and not cheating over the years. We but we saw it over the years, especially the Jimmy Johnson years, how the rules can be bent. So yeah, I mean, and and fans fans like that, but also fans when one year fans will they'll they'll complain about it, and then five you know five years ago that was a problem and now they want guys to i guess run around with their cars falling apart whereas five years ago you know especially when i see denny hamlin's reaction i'm sure five years ago he would have been complaining about it and then five years later they're praising it so that's another weird thing too is that clock that damage policy and all that is brought in for a reason so that cars aren't driving around you know, like zombie cars and and making things worse. I I like the driver. I think that was I think it was kind of funny what he did, and it is a bold statement what he did because we've never seen it before. 
But okay. yeah, I mean, you so, gotta, I guess you gotta have some fun too once once in a while, and I guess that's that's NASCAR, right? So that the way I look at it is, re- remember there was a time when you could just any parts that were going to fall off, you could just cut off and just go back out on yeah, the track. Yeah, yeah. They don't let you do that anymore. Well, some they parts, fought so hard to have that. Some parts to do that. They, they will, but like, so what? The problem was that the the bear bond that they used to hold the pieces together wouldn't stick to anything because it was too cold so it wouldn't it wouldn't hold right, so it yeah. fell off that should not be a park it offense because the because of an equipment failure pretty much that's uh, what, that's something that they can probably appeal us for sure and as far as the the rules are in place for a reason i i agree to, but the caveat to that is if a rule doesn't make any sense, like if it's a stupid rule, it should be repealed, it should be protested, and people need to be vocal about it or it never will be. So yeah. like like that yeah. it's hard it's hard because I, I kinda go on both both ways with this and and I'm gonna steal a little bit from from some other some other things that I heard just about this situation and some of it might have been down to how the truck race went and how that race was going. And at that point, it was like it was another caution that they had to throw for something that they feel sh- like this is brutal. Just park it. Just park it. We're done. Right. We don't want to deal with this anymore, um, which doesn't mean it's OK. My 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 issue isn't w- with him parking it like I if he would have parked it in his pit stall and got out that's fine i mean he parked it on the front stretch and walked across a hot track uh, you know in our media time jordan that's and that's I, a big no no that's a no no like that's a hard card gone not that we have hard cards uh hooks up uh, mr spateri um <laughs> but we uh not that's a that's the biggest rule if you do anything about going um, on a hot track, which which I brought it up to to James here um, yesterday. I'm curious at how Joey's father got onto the track so fast, and if they're gonna if they're going to for a celebration. Now this I is this is going to be my my like if you're going to penalize Josh Williams for walking across a hot track, that track is still hot. I don't understand how Joey's father got out there. I can understand wow. how Regan got out there. Like this guy's kids got out there fast too, though in the Xfinity race. So I mean, you could chart. We can. We can. Then what's the difference? Yeah. Well, that's so, a great so area. So here, here's but. here's my here's my thing, and I know what hot track means, obviously. But yeah, no, I know. Yeah. As far as it being a air quotes hot track, it was under caution. They were on the backstretch when he did it. Should he have done it? Probably not. Is it a statement that I feel like he should have been more careful in making, but he definitely should have been able to make? I do. Um, I am a huge proponent for guys pushing for rule changes, and if, especially if they get stiffed by a rule that's probably not a super important rule, protest it. I mean, yeah. I don't think he did it the right way necessarily, sure he will. but I think he had the balls to do something about it, and he did what he did, and what's going to happen is what's going to happen. 
and and so yeah, you're right. And talking about penalties, we had some getting into cup here. We had some before before Atlanta started this week. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. I was glad. Yeah, um, but for one thing that stood out to me was uh, seeing how that uh, pit road entrance at the end of the backstretch played out. We saw that under green flag conditions later on in the race, we saw that finally play out um, specifically with the, um, it's kind of painfully slow seeing them go around. uh, But that was, we're, that was early, really early, early on. And what we were seeing there, then strategies kind of start coming out and then that adds a new competitive component uh, component to the race because everyone has to go slow in turn three all the way around. And then when we're and then we're seeing when cars blend back up, we're seeing the cars stretched out more, and seeing that these drivers kind of being pushed a little bit by it. You know, that's a mental push. That's you know for us that's fun to watch for me at least because seeing these guys do something different like that and in that kind of situation, I think that's pretty unique. And then seeing the strategy side of it play out with Larson and Bell. They were staying out there. They ended up getting two laps ahead by gambling on hoping that a yellow would come out and that, that they could put themselves ahead of everyone after the theoretical wave around on the theoretical yellow. And then even that in that situation, that would put those two by themselves and they could have been a lap ahead on the restart at the uh, at the stage end. So that would have been a big gamble and that would have been a big payoff because they would have been like the only guys on it. And then all the guys a lap down would have had to hope for a caution, which would have happened. But I, that was my favorite part of the race was seeing this new, I, I, I doubted it big time before going on to the race, but we, we ended up seeing it play out. Um, and which was nice because the balance of, we, we saw less error and we saw less downforce this year for the cars. So there wasn't as much passing and there's a lot of riding around, uh, until the end of the stage one, stage two, but seeing that strategy come in and seeing that that shakeup come in and being able to see the 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 cars pack again in a pack catch up to each other run around uh, some lap vehicles it was cool seeing that that kind of shape everything up and especially um considering the track conditions they they had some pretty good track conditions with grip we didn't hear a lot of complaints with grip and tires um which was really good other than we didn't the complaint was was with the package because we we ended up seeing that which what i thought caused the big one was when chastain took the air off of the number four and there was another there was a lot of times yeah, where bubba the only time bubba only spun out once. by himself and it wasn't a tire then we saw who was it that got was it arc yeah and we saw him that was that was another so we saw wrecks that weren't necessarily Stupid wrecks. They were honest wrecks. They were. They weren't really. And we, we, as Brad Case said at the end of the race, and it's been refreshing the last few races seeing a small amount of cautions. But we've seen in years past that by the end of the season we end up we end up maybe seeing more cautions as the season goes on. But well, Bubba was the first natural caution. Yeah, race and he just spun out Amarola and by himself, did, and he even admitted to that he just spun out. Yeah, I don't know the race. I thought the race was good. I enjoyed the race a lot. I thought it kind of was an old school 
plate racing, you know, you saw two wide, you saw some three wide running, um, you, you saw the, and, and wh where I kind of get the view of the old style plate racing is watching them protect both lanes, right? When they switch back and forth. And that, I remember just, that was a big part of uh, maintaining the race and the pace that you wanted. And then you would get a three or four car lead in a row, in a line. And then the, the bottom lane would be, you know, tucked back and they'd get different runs. Uh, my, my, the thing that I was very surprised at the most was how quickly a run could stall out. So it looked like the car would have such a head of steam and it seemed to get to, you know, have the, the car it's passing at its front, at their front wheel and the car would just stall out. And I, and I truly think that if, if Christopher Bell didn't, sledgehammer the back of Joey Logano down the back stretch that it, it looks like Joey stalls out. So that was really interesting to see. Yeah. Oh, and that finish was good. It, also seeing RFK doing good again. Um, suck to see Harvick get out of that, but yeah, it was really, that was a cool finish. Um, I wish Kislowski won it, but see bell. Hey, yeah. you know, it looked like, I hope, um, I hope see bell was taken out to dinner uh, yeah, kind of helping with that win. So the joy for a, his best finish ever in P4. As for our picks, though, for our fantasy picks for that Do week, we, we uh, yeah, Pepe won that week. Uh, me and Wes, second and third. Uh, but yeah, it didn't sound like it was very good for Wounded Duck Motorsports and MWR for that Negative. week. You guys got a, you, especially also duh. Dirty Joe, he didn't have a good one. Dirty Joe um, good Parker one. had a mediocre week, so he he's staying mid mid pack there. But this 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 week helped West stabilize his lead in the overall standings, and it helped me and Pepe get up there. Um, but yeah, that that's gonna put you you Dirty Joe and and uh, Eggman back a little bit here. For um, you guys, are gonna have to get some good picks. What do you guys got for next week at? Uh, at Dakota, um, I'll go first quickly. I'm gonna go. This is easy for me. I'm I I'm not going good. Really overthinking this stuff. I'm just gonna go with gut instincts. I'm and because they're free picks because I've used some hot ones. I'm going with JT Jordan Taylor. I'm gonna go with Kimi Raikkonen. Um, I'm gonna go with Kevin Harvick, and I'm gonna go with. I really feel like. Uh, um, I feel like someone in the Toyota is gonna. They're gonna have a good one. I really feel like Denny is. He's getting all fired up from his his current situations right now, and I think he needs to go out. Although Tyler Reddick's been really good lately, he's been really fast, and I really feel that that team and him per personally, since Kyle's gone out and won in his old car, he needs to go out and win in this car to prove like. Like he made the right choice as well, um, and then I gotta look at some other ones, and I gotta wait till practice. Yeah, it's good. Else I'm gonna do there. Especially, I, I agree with that. The last couple weeks, I've been going with that, waiting for, um, waiting for that qualifying and practice. Unfortunately, this year I can't do much of Chase Elliott, and I don't know if Josh Berry's gonna be able to to hone. Well, uh, he's not in it. Uh, 
No, JT. Jordan JT's Taylor. in it, so maybe I'll be putting yeah. JT in because that's just a, that's an easy pick, and I'll trust him. Especially with that experience there, yeah. And I'm probably gonna go with MTJ. And, mm, that's and a good one. we'll see if there's a couple other ringers in there too. I want to go with because there's always ringers. Boss. Yeah, raw, but I don't want to use up those right? guys. What about you, Eggman? What are you gonna go with as we wrap it up here? All right. So being that it's Coda, I'm going with some guys that have historically been stronger on road courses. I've got Kimmy just because I love Kimmy. Yeah. I've, uh, I've got Ross. Obviously, he's yeah, one of the, he's George. one of the better ones. Uh, the Dinger in this week, I think. Yeah. He's a full season. Yeah, so I'm going to take AJ uh, again because he's phenomenal on road courses. I mean, he uh, should have won that race last year. He should have. Well, it was it was a heck of a race, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, I've also got Tyler Reddick and Kyle Larson are, are my five. And I've still got Kevin Harvick in the garage just because. All right. Well, hey. You? Um, I made my picks. So, yeah, I'm all excited for... Uh, Coda and seeing Jimmy Jam come back too is just a sidebar there. Yeah, really good to see Jimmy oh, Jam Jimmy's back and back yeah. So I might have to put him in there. Uh, I forgot I to mention him, to but but yeah, we'll see. We're gonna we're gonna get it all covered next week on the show. Um, oh yeah, we got the Charlie here in our audience. Thank you, Charlie, for uh, joining us here for this episode of the Wombs. Uh, some Charlie, some quick Charlie picks there. Nice. Yeah, and maybe we'll have to get him on that fantasy. Everyone, you got to join that NASCAR fantasy. We'll have the links to that to, on our Facebook page, on our social media page is actually at the WWOMS. And we'll be talking about it next week, Saturday afternoon, CFMH 107.3, local FM in St. John, New Brunswick. Friday on CKMS 102.7, Radio Waterloo in Kitchener, Waterloo, Ontario or throughout the week on your smart device on the Performance Motorsports Network app. We're also all uh, we're on demand on all streaming platforms, and we're uh, getting up the website uh, fired up again, www.thewideworldofmotorsportspodcast.wordpress.com. Well, that just about wraps it up for this edition. I am James Jordan. Mike Wallace. And the Eggman. We'll see y'all around the bend. Adios. Bye-bye.